Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for another complete look at the world of cycling for another week. Before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Joining me in the studio, and it's been a while, it's Pat Show. Hey, Pat, how are you? It's been a while. Well, it has been a while. It's sort of a uh, bit of a layover. I mean, very intense summer. Absolutely. On the circuit, but uh, also just really busy uh, back home. But it's great to be back, and, and what a time to be back too, because the best one-day races are on. Absolutely. Uh, before we start, we've got this. We've had quite an incredible day at Amstel Gold. There's the final turn. It's tail crosswind for the final K now, and it's Alaphilippe at the front. And they're about to be joined by a whole new group, and Van der Poel and company might do it yet. He's right back in the game. How did they let them do this? And I feel he's behind. 600 metres to go, but we've got a group of other riders still ready to go. Four hundred meters. Van der Poel behind. Clark with him. Shackman. Balde. Madwa. There's Lombrecht. Trentin. De Marquis and Molima. But it's the front three we're occupying ourselves with at the moment. This still could be anybody's. We've had one breathless finish already today. We're going to have another now inside the final couple of hundred meters. It's Alaphilippe who takes up on the right hand side. Look at Van der Poel going from behind though. Look at Van der Poel on the left hand side. Mathieu Van der Poel's going to do it. Mathieu Van der Poel. This is incredible. Coming back, Pat, uh, that commentator went nuts, but that race was nuts. He's saying it's probably the best ever finish we'll ever see into a bike race. Do you do you agree? Well, it's hard to see, say the best ever because there's so many moments uh, in all of the cycling that I've watched, participated in, and also read about from the past as well. But it certainly is one that really sticks in my mind now and I I recall during the week saying to uh, customers they come in the store if Matthew van der Poel is not your favorite bike rider right now you've got some real issues in cycling so <laughs> it's not to say you've got to be your only favorite rider yeah. but certainly I mean 
we speak of Sagan in the past being the animator. Well, I mean, he, he, he's doing things here, Vanderpol, that look impossible. He rode the front from 400 metres out. He, he rode back the, the, the three leaders, all of which are pure-class bike riders, Alaphilippe, Kwiatkowski, and also Fulskang, all in-form riders, opens up the sprint, and no one could come over him. And no one offered him a turn either in that final uh, period of the race. He, he was phenomenal. It was great to see. And I, I would say to the level of inspiring, particularly for the younger generation coming through. Absolutely. So what, what can we expect from him? Because I've read a couple of quotes where he's saying that cyclocross is still his favourite. Uh, he doesn't know if he wants to favor road over over cyclocross because we know in the Netherlands cyclocross is almost a religion as well. Uh, what can we expect from him? Because he's in this small-ish team, so he's not going to be present on all races. We saw he wasn't at Pai Roubaix, for example, uh, which is probably a shame because he could have made some serious damage over there. Uh, what's the future for someone like him, other than, other than his own decision? Well, it's all his own decision, but we've got to remember a couple of things. First and foremost, he's 24 years of age. He's got plenty of years ahead of him. Mm-hmm. So he could come to, to road cycling if he has uh, bucket list items he wants to tick off later on. But also let's keep in mind that he gets paid almost the amount that our best riders on the road get paid just to race the cyclocross because he's seen as uh, like he's like a film star. You know, um, he plays the biggest roles in the hardest CX races in the world and he performs every time. Um, it'll be what he wants to do. Um, I think maybe it'll depend on how he feels that these results he's achieving at the moment on the road are perceived by the public and then come back to him. And when he reflects on that, maybe road cycling does draw him uh, closer all the time. But you can see he's got that fight and he's such an exciting rider to watch. And, and you know, Sagan's been off. And we bring him back up again. He's been off this season, but hasn't Vanderpoel filled the void? Absolutely. But imagine a season where we have Sagan in full form, Vanderpoel in full form, present on the whole calendar. Someone like Alaphilippe, full sang. Yeah. This, this is a new term. Um, we've yeah. got uh, Evan Pohl coming underneath as a young rider. We've got uh, Bjorg Lamp- uh, Lamprecht. Uh, I mean, there's got so Kiertowski. many great riders uh, <laughs> coming through. I think... It was uh, probably, we spoke last year a lot about this new GC group coming through in the Grand Tour as well. Now, certainly in the one days as well, we've got these young talents coming through. Uh, and it's also great to see Aussie Simon Clark and a great yeah, friend yeah, of mine absolutely smashing it out of the park already this season. And um, I think we can really look forward to a really good finish to the Ardennes for him as well. This this section of the the season, it's the classics. Uh, you know, it's been interesting because he hasn't been dominated by one particular group. Someone like Van der Poel really threw a spanner in the works of of uh, of guys like Quickstep uh, and and so on. Uh, is that the way the things are going right now? I think what we're seeing now, particularly because riders are so well prepared for events. The team's aspect is important, but it's not uh, imperative to getting a result, and he's proven that. Uh, But mind you, you've got an ultra-strong Astana there as well, and some of these teams are actually um, almost blocking one another out of the race, and we saw that in the finish of Amstel where uh, Fools King did the right thing. He he assumed he wouldn't beat Alaphilippe in the sprint, and so he said, well, it's your duty to ride the final kilometre. They lost, I think, 30-odd seconds in the last 1,400 metres. So what should have Alaphilippe done? 
in that occasion. Do you think he's, he's taken the well, right? Well, in the end, he couldn't even outspin Fool's Gang yeah. anyway. Uh, so probably in the end, I guess you look at it two ways. Um, you ride it so that you've got the chance to win the race, but they're both winners already. So they don't want to finish second. So it's not about riding for a chance. It's I've got to win. And they did that. And um, unfortunately for them, mm-hmm. they were beaten by an incredible ride. One of one for the ages. Absolutely. And if you check on Twitter how the, the, the Netherlands exploded, you thought they would win, they would have won the World Cup uh, football. You know, it's a, it, no, it wasn't the World Cup. It was a cycling race. And he's an icon there. And, and I think we're really just scratching the surface of what we're going to see. It feels a little bit like the, the initial uncovering of Tom Bonin for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how come he's not signed in a, in a bigger team? Or do you think there's already a lot of teams that are eyeing him in and, and trying to say, I'm talking about, you know, the Skies or the, the, the new name of Skies and all these teams going, hey, why is it not snapped by another team already? A uh, similar situation to the Wout van Aert, I reckon, is that he just really wants that uh, cyclocross aspect and he wants to choose. I mean, we see it with Australians with their track background as well, the track riders when they're making their transition. We have seen Mitchell and Scott, because they're a sort of national world tour team in a sense, pick up these riders. But their primary goal at the moment for him in particular is CX and he wants to do that first. So I think if he went to just road cycling, he'd probably go to a bigger team so he's got that real support underneath. And he will need to do that later in his career. And where do you see him? Uh, where, where would well, he fit? Wout van Aert, is, I think, fits really good at Lotto, uh, Lotto uh, Jumbo or Jumbo, uh, should I say now, mm-hmm. Uh but I would say very similar type of team. Uh, that that would be a really good fit for him. Okay, uh, we had a, a few questions uh, coming out on Twitter, so we will be uh, feeding throughout this podcast the, the question as they fit. But uh, David Johnson, he said, what what should he be targeting now in terms of the races? We're talking about Van der Poel. Yeah, well, I think he's just got to uh, look at those uh, one day events really, and I think if he wants to focus on his cyclocross career still. Uh, that allows him to do that because he can cross over quite easily and the type of uh, training you need to do is probably very similar. So at this point, I think that he's targeting the right races. He keeps doing that and he sees where it leads to. Um, We've seen what uh, guys like Greg Van Avermaet have uh, developed into over the years, Phil Gilbert, Um, but the World Championships would probably be Vanderpool's major goal and there's a lot of of volume behind him from the Netherlands to say we should be riding for this guy when it comes time in uh, late September. Absolutely. Uh, Let's talk now about the Flesh Wallen, which just happened yesterday. Alaphilippe won this race back-to-back, winner last year, winner this year. Uh, Valverde won it uh, four times in a row. Uh, He's now twice uh, winner Alaphilippe. Uh, Is he the new Valverde for that race? Yesterday, was he owning that race through and through? He was the... He was the outright favourite. Yes, he yes, it. he was outright favourite. Do I think that he owned the race? No, he certainly did I'm fr- not. I'm However, <laughs> you, are, you are correct though. We sp- said last year, he, he is the new, he was the new Valverde. Now he's, well, we call him Ella Philippe as he deservedly uh, is called upon. He, he's amazing, but he had the fall in Basque Country and it definitely has affected him and he also has teammates that are, you know, down on their form as well a little bit to help him, but Enric Mas was amazing last night for him um, and, and, he, and he wins the race, that's what he's got to do does he does he sort of continue as a huge favourite in these tougher days? Well, probably goes in as favourite, but there's guys knocking on the door all the time. Uh, Fulls Gang was amazing. He actually 
made the separation on Murdui, and uh, it was just that Alaphilippe had a little bit more punch over the line, but not by much. And I, th- I think that if he was on his best legs, he, he would have won a lot easier. He got the job done last night, but even on the line, Fools Gang was still coming at him, and he had to sort of deviate towards the barriers just to make sure it was definitely a done thing. But Enrique Mas was just unbelievable in, in support for Alaphilippe last night. Uh, Valverde, you spoke of him still. He's just not. He's just not there. It's, it's just... Thing. I don't know what it is. I mean, we know that the tramadol ban came in. Is that affecting some of these riders, the the painkillers? Uh, yeah, that's interesting because they, they, someone like like him, they, he's been riding with it all his career through, mm. and not having it part of it is it's also physical, probably also a bit mental, psych- mental no. psychological. Yes, I agree. It's uh, psychological for sure, and you know we know that these painkillers also have a psychological effects as well. So you know there's those aspects, but we're seeing new riders, we're seeing Shackman come to the front, we're seeing even uh, Lambrecht, I brought him up earlier, I mean this kid, he's, he's riding down the 23 World Championships it feels like yesterday and, and he's now competing not once off in the season, he's done it at every single one of the major classics he is fighting up the front he is beating Wellens uh, for Lotto Sudal and he is their number one performing rider in the mm-hmm. classic season so do I think that the banning of Tramadol has made a change Two riders, yes. Uh, the younger generation aren't affected by that because they haven't had the exposure to it. Yeah, that's quite that's quite that's quite an interesting debate actually. I never thought about it this way. Uh, in terms of the the women's racing, we had some some amazing racing as well. I mean, the Amstel uh, was what a finish again. And women's racing, we said it over and over again, but it's it's so exciting to watch. It certainly is, and uh, and in this particular event, it was it was fantastic to see Newa Dharma come to the front because uh, she's a really exciting rider to watch. Uh, she's had her setbacks, she's had her difficult periods of time, and I think this victory will really bring her uh, back to the high spirits that she deserves. That she was embraced by um, uh, her, her teammates straight after the finish, in, in particular Australian uh, Tiffany Cromwell, yeah. and they watched the replay. You should follow Tiffany as well on social media. But the way she celebrated this uh, this win for the team was amazing. And it shows what it means. And she's a she's a team player. I think um, it, it, again, the women's race was fantastic. And, and I, I touched on this last year during the Classics period that I urged people to watch the women's racing because it's exciting and it comes down to the line and they fight so hard. And Van Vluten, she was coming, but just all, a little too late. And uh, Mariana Voss filling out the podium. And she's very much the Sagan, you know, of, of mm-hmm. men's cycling for women's cycling. And, and and she's so inspirational as well. Her story is fantastic. And she's starting to find that really good form again, which is going to be fantastic coming into the final races in the Ardennes. What do you make of uh, Anamik van Vluten? Second in Amstel, second yesterday in uh, Flesh Wallen as well. Is she happy with those results or she really is missing that, that front step? Uh, I think she'll be happy. I mean, you've got to be happy in reflection. It was much like Amanda Spratt last year. She mm. really hit right on the podium often. Um, but Anamik is, 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 is more used to be on that top March yeah, yeah, but Van der Bregen, she's been powerful there. And, and, you know, Van Vluten was lucky to get second last night. She only sort of line-grabbed uh, the teammate of Van der Bregen in Langevard, and it was a great ride by the Bowles team. What I would say is that 
Van Vluten is consistently there. So she's going to continue to land those big wins. But she's really, for mine, she's more of that tour rider. She's really going to dominate those uh, tours later in the season. So the Giro coming yeah, up. Giro uh, Feminin, yeah. she'll I think she'll, she'll smash it out of the park. Uh, La Course is going to be very interesting again this year. But as I said again, last night's Flesh Wallone Feminin was an absolute belter of a, a race to watch. And don't forget, those huge moves um, long from the line, in particular, was the Sunweb rider that went off the line and she looked like she was going to take the victory. Yep. But it brings a real race to the line. We must uh, touch on, and I know that uh, our uh, co-SBS man, Matt, has, has, has touched on the top 15 for Australians as a Brilliant result, and, and Matt Keenan tweeted that last night. But Brody Chapman, mm-hmm. she is earmarked for greatness, uh, and particularly world tour level in the future with her team. And Brody Chapman, ninth last night, was a great result, and she looked really good. She came into the bottom of the Murdui the last time. She was in the right spot, and she's got exposure to that level of racing right at the top. I'm really excited about her. I was excited about her when she took out the uh, Herald Sun Tour last year and um, it'll be great to see what the future holds for her and and really to be able to beat Amanda Spratt who finished in 11th uh, last night was a massive result for mm-hmm. her. And Van der Bregen, fifth time in a row at Flesh yeah. Wallen. We said four for Valverde, two yeah. for Alaphilippe. She's got five in a row. That's her race. That Mur de Vie is hers. Yeah, and she looks fantastic. I mean, she doesn't she doesn't look like she gets the line and she's absolutely uh, lights out. Um, and she knows how to ride the climb. I, it's just you, you always think with these hot favourites, when are they going to have a bad day? Well, mm-hmm. we don't know if that exists for her. Yeah, and in that world... Uh champion jersey as well. It's beautiful to see it win. I I thought myself, you know, Valverde won in those colours. I think it would be his most memorable victory. Uh, Van der Bregen to do it in such style was fantastic to see. Absolutely. Okay, coming up this week, this weekend, uh, Liège-Bastogne-Liège. It's going to be live on SBS. Uh, Check out your local guides to uh, see and understand what time it will be on uh, where you live. Liège-Bastogne-Liège is always a great race as well. Um, What do you make of it this year? Uh, Where where is it going to be played out? Well, where Flesh is really decided on the final ascent and it's just who's got the legs and, yep. and often it's difficult because it's not really a tactic that can win uh, the race. you just got to have the best legs. Certainly in Liège you can go a bit longer and also we've seen it all fall apart in even the final turn. I mean, uh, crashes through the final corner uh, but also great attacks and aggressive racing. If you put it on the line uh, coming up to the finish, you've got a real chance and I think that in fact... This, of all of the classics, is the best chance for Simon Clark. I mean, um, he certainly put himself on the right wheel at Amstel Gold, but this type of finish, if he can hang on to the final uh, part where it plateaus at the top, he's a real good chance. And I but you mentioned it's... he was tired uh, coming to Flesh. That, that Flesh wasn't being midweek from Amstel to, uh, to Liège-Bastogne-Liège. How much of a disturbance... Is this in the... I mean, they, they're used to it. I mean, it's not a disturbance, but physically, that's not the same pattern. It breaks the pattern. Yeah, well, I think you've got to also recall, remember that they, they if they were racing flesh, they'd be training hard anyways. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be a hangover period from that Amstel goal because the final what, 20 k's was 58 kilometres an hour or something ludicrous yeah. like that. So that's always going to hang over. I think he's um, probably looking forward to the weekend, and so are we, and we've got real uh, opportunities. I mean, Michael Matthews, he's in great shape too. He rode a really yep. good flesh, better than I expected. And um, because Michael Matthews is a little lighter raced, 
Uh, it, do, it doesn't get to all the races. They really pick his races really well. He's a really good chance too. But I think Philippe will go in as a favourite. Uh, Valverde still, you've got to put him in the picture. You don't know when he's going to turn it on. And and, and Max Shackman will be really good for Bora. Uh, obviously, uh, Sagan, I'd think that um, this, it's a clear picture. They're working for Shackman and, and, and they'll look to see if um, he can get the job done. Can uh, Alaphilippe go back-to-back Wednesday, Sunday? I'm going to say no. No? Okay, it's a good call. <laughs> too, too much competition. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's great. It's almost like uh, the AFL at the moment. You know, anyone <laughs> could beat anyone. And I think it's the same in cycling in the men's and women's at the moment at the world level that uh, there's so much great talent. And that's why the racing particularly has been some of the best that we've seen in a long, long time. Okay, we've got another question from A.G. Smith. Uh, who will win the Giro? We have to make an early call. I have no Egan idea. Egan Bernal. Egan Bernal? Yep. I have no idea. I can't. <laughs> I'm not even sitting on the fence. There's not even a fence. <laughs> I'll go Egan Bernal uh, for the first race in the new colours for Team Sky, which will be Enios. Um, and I think that. Uh, and you don't think any of the uh, the Yates brothers could do it? Adam had a bad crash last yeah. night in flesh. Um, I think he was probably one of the very few that could beat Philippe on that finish. Um, even though Fulskang did show he had great legs. Um, Simon, well, he'll be in good condition. But uh, Egan Bernal, he's an incredible bike rider and, and we're really going to get to see his absolute best, particularly if there's any windy days. He's one of those riders on GC that really rides crosswinds really, really well. So that's my pick a long way out, though, because okay. it doesn't start till the 11th of May. I know, it's quite far, but that's a good question from AJ Smith. So yeah. we have to, we said we are, yeah. we are going to answer a question on Twitter uh, and we are. Uh, any other things we need to talk about? I mean, if, we, if we wind back uh, to all the Alps, we mentioned Sky. I yeah. think it's the last race for, for them or one of the last races under, under the Sky label. Chris Froome didn't look good last year. Uh, it's almost looking even worse this year. Yeah, certainly. And, well, he still had great form last year, so he changes his lead in every year. But uh, a huge spark was uh, Taylor Gagenhart taking his first pro, uh, World Tour victory. And then just a day later, Pavel Sivakov doing the same. And these are two really impressive riders, and, and they've both uh, shown what they're capable of. Been great to see Masnada won stage three. The Italian, 25-year-old, very exciting ride too. So there's a lot of riders unearthing themselves over there. Chris Froome is thereabouts. That's all he's got to be. Um, he's but we know his target for this year. Yes. No, Tour de France, that's, nothing else. He wants correct. this fifth. And that's probably why his form's not quite as good as what we expect. But again, everyone is so uh, everyone that comes to races now is so fit and ready. Uh, so being beaten by anyone is is not a surprise because even these riders in the smaller teams, Masnada as an example, um, shows that they're all capable of taking the big wins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I know you're very keen to talk about it. Under 23, uh, there's an international race happening. No Australians. Where... What does that mean? Well, we've got one Australian competing in the biggest one-day races in Italy for the year. And uh, it's Elliot Schultz. He's only a very young rider. He's 19 years of age. He's over there himself. Um, But we haven't really got a national team representation. Uh, We see a very small group of riders being selected for the upcoming World Championships in the juniors in particular. And I just wonder, as an ex-racer myself, I see it as a disappointment. 
but from a coaching aspect and looking at uh, athlete development, don't see it as an absolute must for them to be there. So there's sort of two sides to the sort. I'm sitting on the fence a little bit, but I would love to see these under-23 riders getting exposure at uh, these races, like Liberazione, uh, for example, coming up. And, and this will give them the ability to see what World Tour racing is. It's sort of like the intermediate step. But we see so many more riders racing in Asia now, which is sort of that's their next step now. Okay, but what's the fa where's the failure from from an Australian point of view? The, do we need more riders to be exposed to this, and how do we do this? Is it the Cycling Australia making that decision? Is it the teams? Is it is it the way the the, the, the cookie crumble? Is that, uh, what's happening? Oh, it's a financial thing all the time. It's about uh, dollars and cents, and there's not many dollars, and there's very few cents, so <laughs> it's very difficult. And riders are having to pay their own way. Do we want more riders? Yes, we'd love for 20 or 30 of our Australian under 23 men and women to be travelling overseas and racing. I know the Australian Cycling Federation has got a system in place for the women to go over and get some exposure. Josie Talbot, she'll be part of that. Uh, so will Sarah Gigante, which is fantastic. But there's really nothing there now for the men at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, our riders here, particularly the ones that we see consistently beating riders in the National Road Series, they probably need to have that exposure. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we forgot, but a tour of Turkey was on as well. Uh, Kale Bunman is done pretty well. What do you make of his form right now? Form's brilliant. He looks like he's the fastest. He was the fastest rider there. Uh, poorly positioned uh, in early sprint stages, but geez, he got it right after that. And um, look, he's a confidence rider. And when he wins, then he has great confidence. When he loses, it hurts him badly. But three stage victories, he goes out of there, won the final stage as well. So leaves the tour on a high. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do in the Grand Tours. Absolutely. And then one last question from our Twitter feed. Uh, it comes from Barry Corrigan. It's not related to professional cycling. He wants a tip from you. Any tip on starting out on the road to past fitness? It was fit. Maybe not so fit anymore. How do you get back? Okay, so so it's all about building a pyramid. Uh, so I would say so start. Barry, if you're listening. <laughs> yep, so start start with uh, four weeks of just general riding. Consistency is the key. So if you can do three rides a week, do three. If you can do four, do four, even if they're only half an hour. And then slowly step that up. So your second part of your period, two weeks of a little bit harder riding and split your rides. So um, if you're doing three rides, do one very hard ride where you really hurt yourself uh, intensively and then two days where you ride much like the first four weeks. There you go. You've heard it. Personal coaching from Pat. Pat, it was a lovely, brilliant, and awesome to have you back in the podcast. And I uh, hope to have you again in the podcast in the near future. Absolute pleasure and great to see some fantastic racing. Absolutely. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Remember that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central, or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Remember, Liège Bastion Liège, this weekend, it's on SBS. Check out your local guy. Until the next episode, it's bye for now. A quick shout out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it, your cycling buddies probably use it, and the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.